0: Welcome to Questions of Life. I'm Kath, I'm here with Donald. Hello. Today we are discussing the whole question around addiction. So Donald, we're looking at addiction. I've been doing a little bit of research uh, and I want you to have a guess at what you think some of the top 10 addictions in modern society in the UK was in 2020. So the top 10 addictions last year in this country Uh, Let's see how many of these top ten you can get correctly.
1: Okay. um, Okay, coffee? Yep. Alcohol? Yep. Social media? Uh,
0: The internet and modern technology, yes, I'll give you that.
1: Um, Painkillers?
0: Illegal and prescription drugs, I'll give you that. Smoking? Tobacco and nicotine, yes? Yes. Yes. Um. So you've got five so far, okay, well. five to go,
1: you've got five to go, gambling,
0: gambling. Yes, that is one of them.
1: Uh, I ought to know more than this. Uh, sex addiction.
0: Yep, that's on there. So we've got three more to go. This is numbers eight, nine and ten.
1: Eight, eight, nine and ten. Yep. Biting your fingernails.
0: No. (laughs) It's a little bit out of left field. Uh, Overeating. Food's on there. Yeah, that's number nine. Two to go.
1: Two to go. Yeah. Two to go.
0: Now, one of them is kind of linked to the internet, uh, kind of, you might think is under the same umbrella. What do a lot of young people spend time doing? Texting. No online gaming
1: online gaming online gaming oh that's different to gambling yes okay oh of course yeah Online Online gaming online is game, like, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yeah
0: okay you got one to go okay i don't think you're gonna get this it won't cross your mind fitness Even, no it's work okay in at number 10 so the top one was coffee that is the top addiction in modern society today so we're talking about addictions Uh, there's something on there that we'll all think oh yeah no I can see why that is an addiction just to start off with just give us your definition your explanation of what is addiction
1: like all of these things I'm no expert so let's just clarify that although in being in Christian work for some years I talk with a lot of people who experience addiction it's something I've dealt with a lot I would say addiction is when you need to do something that is not good for you or your relationships that you find impossible to resist.
0: Okay, that's quite simple and straightforward. Mm. And do you think that only certain people are tempted to uh, be addicted to something? Is there a predisposition to addiction or do you think it's something that's across the board and is part of human nature?
1: I think it's generally part of human nature. to to be at risk of addiction. And I think to some degree, every human being is addicted to something, but for many people, it's not particularly a damaging thing. It's just an irritating thing. They just wish they didn't bite their fingernails like, or, you know, whatever it is. I I think that some of us are more predisposed to do things that are inherently risky. Mm -hmm. So some of us are naturally reserved or fearful and we wouldn't uh, perhaps t- try an illegal drug, whereas other people are temperamentally more likely to have a go. Some people are more likely to be uh, uh, respond to peer pressure and if everybody else is doing it they find it hard to say no. So sometimes the way you get into addictions is to do with your temperament and your personality, but, but having an issue with self-control I think is common to all humanity.
0: We talked before this about we're quite different in this whole area, that I think I've got a more risky personality and temperament than than you, mm. which if we're laying our cards on the table now, means that I have struggled in the past with being addicted to um, nicotine and I have struggled with gambling. And both of those things I don't think I can go back to. I think they did have such a hold on my life that I've actually had to say I'm not going there again um, because I've got that kind of nature that I'm up for a risk, I'm up for a challenge. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're a little bit different, aren't you? You're, you're not quite so risky, you're far more measured.
1: I'm more fearful of things yes. and I certainly know, we've talked about it before, I do, I could very, very easily be a gambler and mm. I'm, I'm, for that reason I'm scared of it so I've never done it. Mm. Um, uh, I'm scared of getting drunk. I've never got drunk mm-hmm. in my life mm-hmm. and that's because I've got alcohol. Uh, I've, alcoholism was part of my family, early family life mm-hmm. and extended family. So, um, yes, I'm more risk averse, but mm-hmm. I think the, the ability to get hooked onto things that are not good for you mm-hmm. and the ability to find it difficult to resist temptation is common to all humanity. Mm-hmm.
0: And that list that I went through, so things from like coffee you think there's no harm in that in being addicted to coffee but it was interesting I've um, a family history issue with our health is that we have high blood pressure thanks to my father and uh, his side of the family so when I was diagnosed with high blood pressure the doctor said to me that I needed to basically really cut down on my caffeine because I Mm. used to have five really strong caffeinated black coffees a day and it's like actually if you want to lower your blood pressure that's one of the things that you need to come off of and I thought well that's fine I'll just go on to decaf Um, not difficult to do absolutely killed me coming off it I had a headache for three weeks and all of these withdrawal symptoms and I don't think you realize at the time just the impact something's having on you you look Mm. at it you think it's just a cup of coffee or oh I'm just scrolling through the internet it's not a problem with that or I'm on social media and and we kind of dismiss some of these things as, as them not being a real issue. We'll talk some more about this later, but we could be sitting at home listening to this or watching this thinking, Oh, I'm all right. I don't do any of the major things on there. But I think what I want to get to the heart of and unpack is actually why these things might have a more prominent place in our lives than they should because it isn't just about us being human beings and about temperament. Talk us through, how does someone begin to get addicted? What is the process that's going on behind that? Because it's not just a simple decision, oh, I'm gonna gamble. There's stuff going on beneath the surface, isn't there?
1: Yeah, I think the way I observe it is that we find an, an activity that we really enjoy. It made us feel good. It perhaps, made us, it perhaps gave us laughter. It made us joyful. It, preoccupied us and stopped us thinking about something it may be gave us confidence whatever that is so whether we have a drink we gamble it was great fun Mm. and we feel better for that
2: Mm.
1: and most people can stop at that point provided life is reasonably good
2: Mm
1: -hmm. but if we are low or Um, lonely, Mm -hmm. feel unloved, feel Mm -hmm. unvalued, worried, anxious, stressed, unable to sleep, don't feel confident, then that thing that gave us a really good feeling, we want to do again because it will give us that feeling that Mm -hmm. either helps us we think with whatever is, is worrying us or it takes our mind off it. It either makes us feel better or more confident And then what happens is, if the problems in our life are ongoing, then we begin to feel that that thing, having a drink, gambling, uh, eating chocolate biscuits, having another coffee, that that becomes essential to us Mm. in helping us to survive. Mm. That's the point of addiction. the danger of all of that is that it's god who wants to help us survive Mm -hmm. it's god who wants to give us confidence in ourselves it's god Mm -hmm. who wants to give us peace it's god who wants to give us joy and so the thing and the experience that was so good in it as a one-off may well have been absolutely fine Mm -hmm. but when it becomes the go-to the thing we Mm -hmm. turn to and say cheer me up give me confidence in this meeting, uh, help me forget about my problems, make me wealthy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Those are all the things that we ask God for. Mm-hmm. So this thing is, in the Old Testament language, is is an idol, um, but it's really a God replacement. Mm-hmm. And that's damaging to us because God is far better at giving us confidence, far better at giving us peace, far better at giving us sleep, far better at... at, at uh, giving us courage, far mm. better than mm. any of those things. And if it stopped there, that would be bad enough. Mm. But all of these things that we're talking about, they then go on to because for some of them, we need more and more to capture the first experience of joy or peace or release or confidence. And one drink isn't sufficient after a while, one coffee doesn't do it anymore, mm. we need two. Uh, that very easily these things escalate into damaging two key things. One is that they can damage our health. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, They help our heart, you know, like you're talking about caffeine uh, or uh, obesity or our liver and kidney functions or um, our brain functions, say, Mm -hmm. with some illegal drugs. Mm -hmm. So there's a really bad effect on our health. Now that we can say doesn't matter because it's my body what can what Mm. does it matter? That matters for two reasons. Firstly because we have been created by God as special and unique people who he is longing to use and when we shorten our life, damage our bodies, Mm. we are damaging what God wanted to do in us which is far better than what we're doing to ourselves. Mm. But secondly, we will be damaging those who care for us, who will be worrying about us, who love us. Mm. Now we may feel there isn't anybody who loves us, and that's why we've got into the addiction. Mm. But normally there's somebody who's caring, even if it's a neighbour who cares. And that leads us on to the second big problem with addictions is that they very often then affect the way we behave towards other people we become impatient, we may become violent, we become reclusive, we become withdrawn, we become uncaring and unobservant of the needs of other people around us, and therefore we become harder and harder to live with, Mm. and those things then make us feel more and more rubbish about ourselves, and the more rubbish we feel about ourselves, the more the thing that we think will help us feel better becomes more of an attraction. Mm. So you begin to spiral Mm. very, very quickly Mm. into a damaging cycle of, I'm rubbish, the only way I can feel better is to take this thing, do this thing, but actually that makes me feel rubbish and I feel worse and worse Mm. and worse. And in that spiral, I am then damaging everybody who's worrying about me, plus probably being very difficult to live with, plus damaging how God intended me to be. So it's a massive issue and a massive problem.
0: And I don't think we always think about it rationally and get that when we're in that situation. It's just something that we do. Mm. I, I don't think we recognise all of those factors that you've just talked about in that moment. I'm just going to go on the internet. I'm going to have a cigarette. I'm going to have a drink. It, it, it's just an impulsive right. That, that's what I'm going to use to, mm. to meet that need. Um, and because some of these things are physically here it's easier sometimes to lose sight of God mm-hmm. and God being the one who wants yeah. to meet that need. Yeah. Well, where's God? You know, I've prayed I don't feel God's presence. Here's a drink. Mm. You can understand it's not right, but you can understand somehow sometimes how that's the process that people yeah. go through. Yeah. want something physical here right now Yeah. and God isn't. So we're talking about addiction. And we're talking about the consequences of addiction and how it's not helpful to ask and to those around us. How do we know when we're addicted? You know, what's the, what's the tipping point? How, what, what are, the, what are the, 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 the keys, in a sense, to beginning to work that out? Well,
1: the keys is your coffee experience. <laughs> Most addicts say, I'm not addicted because I can stop whenever I want. I did stop, though. It so killed me. You don't know that you're an addict until you actually stop.
0: Yep. That's true, actually. Yeah. And
1: it's, uh, that. It's it, and most addicts delude themselves by saying, "Oh, I can stop whenever I want." It's yeah. not a problem. I can do it whenever I want. Yeah. If that's the case, and uh, you know we've uh, joked before about Lent. Okay, stop <laughs> it for 40 days. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And if after mm-hmm. two or three days there's a problem, then there's a problem. Yeah. And if you, and and so that's the first. That's the ba- yeah. The main test, really, is yeah. can I actually stop? And not delude myself than I could if I wanted to, but because I don't want to, I won't. Mm-hmm. Well, try it. Try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, basically, I would I would say that I would then I think I think it's listen if you've got people who who are close to, is ask them. So mm. you, is this worrying you? Mm. Is this damaging mm. my interaction with you? Mm. And. Hopefully, people have the courage to say that. I mean, one of the most powerful things is what was called interventions. Is when people say, "You need to know what you're doing to mm. me," and either you stop or you leave. Yeah, and that's a very drastic. It's far better to say, "Please tell me, yeah, what, what's what's going on? Am I yeah. am I addicted to this?"
0: Mm. And it's interesting going back to that list that. There are some things that I think we can be addicted to that we, as I said, we don't think are particularly damaging. If you think of the internet, maybe going on social media and stuff, you know, I wonder how many people wouldn't be able to do that for mm-hmm. a few days. I wonder how many people do that quite consistently throughout the day or when they can, I'm thinking there's no problem with this, but it's what it's feeding our mind with. The things on social media aren't always that helpful and it becomes just a habit that you have to do. I remember I used to first thing I would do in the morning would be wake up and would be go on Twitter and you just think that's not the best way to start my day. But it just became this 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 habit, this 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 thing that I just did every day before I went to bed And and I worked out they're not the good things that I need to be focusing my mind on. And so I stopped doing it. But I would still automatically reach for my phone and think, right, I'm not even going to look at my phone because I know that I'm just going to see what's happening on the Internet and da-da-da-da. It's just not good for me. It's just mm. not healthy what I'm constantly feeding my mind with. And I know mm. my mind can be quite weak and I need to feed it with the right things.
2: Mm.
0: And so even that has a knock on effect, even though we think, oh, it's just the Internet, it's just yeah. Facebook, it's just yeah. whatever. Actually, I wonder how many people could give it up.
1: Yeah. I think we did, the, we did a questions live recently and I remember Sam talking really powerfully about how it created anxiety for him. But I think the other th- area on that whole social media is, is whether the people we live with feel we're in the room. Yeah. And do are we giving children, partners, close friends, mm. are we giving them attention? Mm. When we're out with friends, are we in the room or mm. are we on the phone? And that's, That's where I'd say, you know, we think we're not harming anybody, Mm -hmm. but we might actually. Mm -hmm. People saying, "Well, I just wanted you to hear me, and you didn't even hear what I said Mm -hmm. because you were watching your phone." Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. You're not on social media, are you?
1: No, but I do look at my phone (laughs) (laughs) because I'm looking at football results or Mm -hmm. or, uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm not. I'm not innocent.
0: Do you think you can become addicted to football and following your team and that? Again, take the place of God. I'm not saying you, I'm saying yeah, in general. No,
1: yeah, absolutely. So there, there are addictions that in moderation are a blessing. Yeah. It's when they, as you say, take the place of God, they become all consuming mm-hmm. and it damages relationships or it damages uh, health. And it, and it becomes a thing to we turn to rather than God.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, shopping. Mm. another
1: thing that can be addictive mm. that in itself going shopping is fine it's part of life mm. same with eating it's part of life it's what we do football is great it's part of life but if it becomes the thing that I need this to cheer me up mm. and I've got to get there and I've got to waste my money and you know it mm. how is this affecting other people and how is it affecting my ability to seek God
0: mm. and to find my affirmation yeah my sense of love and value and purpose
1: yeah I would say, uh, I would say, <laughs> and it was probably natural as a child, so whether it was an addiction or whatever, when I was a, a young teenager, I could not cope with my football team losing. I mean, it just really, really distressed me. And uh, the, that maybe I said it was a natural, I mean, it's probably not addiction, but I, I, I supported Leeds United as a kid. <gasps> and dirty Leeds. dirty Leeds. that was my team i knew everything about them and um i i just every saturday if they didn't win it was disaster and it culminated in them losing the uh, champions league final to Bayern munich and i was so upset so i said i hate them i'm never going to sport them again <laughs> and that's i was already going to cambridge united as a a thing. Like, like a lot of Cambridge fans have two teams.
0: Mm. Like but a proper team and then Cambridge?
1: Apparently, yep. but uh, it was too damaging to me. Mm. It was too damaging to me. Mm. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah, so the football can be an addiction. Yeah.
0: It's interesting on Sunday in the live streams a, a couple of weeks ago, I, um, I came in all buoyant because I support Watford and uh, we were promoted the day before and your team had lost. And actually your reaction was far better than I feared. because
1: uh, we've got two games to go.
0: Yeah, so you were so, like, it's only a game, uh, it's fine.
1: This is a pre-record, this weekend is absolutely <laughs> crucial.
0: So we'll ask you when you get back, <laughs> how you well, doing? Well, you'll know yeah.
1: if we go up or not.
0: I mean, there's a sense that that's okay. There's a sense of having um, an investment in the team that you follow. And it's okay if you're upset when they lose. It's okay that you're happy when they win, as long as That is, Yeah. what's the word I want? I can't think of the word. That needs to be not the be-all and end-all of your life. I think
1: the digression, this is a digression, I think the thing for me about Cambridge United is we are rubbish and therefore Mm. losing is part of my support of them. The problem with supporting Leeds was at that time Mm. they were the the Man City or the Man United at the time, they only lost occasionally and I couldn't deal with it. Yeah. So it's much better to flip and say, well, I'll stuff that, I'll support a rubbish yeah. team, and then when they win, it's great. Yeah. I couldn't cope with losing when it was what I, when it was so rare, mm. if that makes sense. Mm.
0: And now you're used to losing most Now weeks. I'm le-
1: used to losing. I know we've got a good chance of getting promoted. We'll get relegated next season. Yeah. We will get relegated. We will not stay up.
0: But the football doesn't define you. No. It doesn't define what makes you Deep down, what gives you contentment and peace and purpose in life? Hmm. And I think for some of these other addictions, and the problem with them is that they actually are the things that we look to to do those things. Yeah, and they fall short, which is why it's this just vicious circle. Because you have this need: I'm going to do that. I do that. I feel okay, but then I feel awful. So then I have this this need again, and it seems to be never ending. You're like, how do I get out of this? If somebody is addicted to something. God is big enough to help mm. us through our mm. addictions. How do we begin to face them and, and and work through that addiction
1: i think I think there's a few things that are really helpful and um so the first thing is to is to admit is mm. to say, I accept that I have a problem here and this needs to change mm. for as long as we're saying I could stop when I want to. It's, it's catastrophic so yeah. the first thing is to admit and that is once actually once you admit that that is a big part of the mm-hmm. solving the problem and very often we feel the problem is insurmountable but actually the very process of saying i've got a problem mm. is really significant It's very powerful it's isn't very it? very yeah. powerful um, the 12 Steps program, which is a really, really helpful tool and lots of addictions, what, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, other, and on, they all work on the 12, was designed by a Christian and mm-hmm. is really, really helpful. And it talks about this in more detail. But you start by admitting, I think that the next thing is just to say to God, I really, really need your help. Yeah. So I would throw in prayer. Uh, and just say, I can't do this, I'm at the end of my strength, I'm mm-hmm. at the end of my ability. And also to say to God, I am really sorry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you, you're doing two things, you're owning the mess that ha- occurred,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you're saying, I can't do this without you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the glorious thing about our understanding of God through the way Jesus modeled and lived and related to people, is that God goes, that's okay, I'm yeah. gonna come in,
2: uh-huh.
1: I'm gonna cleanse, I'm gonna mm. wash. There's a mercy and grace and abundance here. Yep. You're not rubbish, you're not useless, mm. you're not a failure. You're loved, you're special, you're precious. Mm. And together we can sort this out. And that mm. is a real turning mm. point to be able to say, be honest before God and say, I've messed up. I should yeah. have never have started on this. I should never have used this instead of you. I've messed up, but Lord, come in. And he, he comes in and he transforms. And there are times when we'll need to remind ourselves of that, that yeah. he, he loves us, forgives us, yeah. and remind ourselves that he keeps on forgiving us and, and that he forgives addiction. He doesn't just forgive the one off. He yeah. forgives the fact that we can't keep doing something. We keep on asking God for help. And as our value before God begins slowly to be transformed, that will help us. Yeah. The third major and really important thing is to talk to somebody. Yeah. It's to not only own it before God, but it's yeah. to own it before somebody else. Yeah. That can be friends, family, it can be people, it, it it can be people that we ask help for, but it needn't be. It can just be look, will you pray for me on yeah. this? Will you I just mm-hmm. need to be honest, this is yeah. my issue. With some Of the addictions, joining a group of people like AA Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, uh, other 12 step programs is really helpful. And the way they partner with you and people who are just a little bit um, further down the road are your supporters, that's really helpful. It can be just simply talking to a friend and saying, Look, I need to tell you this is an issue for me. And that is really important. But it's no longer stuck in your head going round and round Mm. in your mind and getting bigger and bigger, but it's out in the open. You've talked about it, you've expressed it. And as you do that, it becomes a smaller issue. So those are the biggies. Mm -hmm. So you admit it, you talk to God and you talk to somebody else. Then the next steps are more practical depending on the type of addiction. Yep. So I would say things like, if you know, that certain places or certain people are connected to that addiction, you've got to be ruthless. Yep. You've got to say, right, I'm no longer going to that. I'm no longer being with that person. If they are the ones yeah. that make me drink more, I'm not going to be with them. Yep. If, the, if that's the place where I will overeat, then I'm not going there yep. anymore. So, and you are ruthless with your cupboards, with yeah. your house, it's the yeah. stuff you get rid of, stuff you yeah. put in the bin, stuff you pour down the toilet, stuff you burn. You say that's it; it's it's yeah. going to go. If it means putting uh, uh, parental controls on your phone and giving somebody else the password so that you can't do it and they you don't know what it is, uh, if it means um, uh, setting alerts. If you go to certain websites, somebody else gets an alert. Yeah. Whatever it is, there yeah. are certain things you you just say, look, this is I need to do something physically to help me. Uh, do all of that. And a part of that is being honest with yourself. When am I most likely to do this?
2: Yep.
1: Is it after a certain experience? In, in, and so is it at a certain time of the day, is it a certain place? Is it a certain experience that provokes it? And try to reorganise your life to avoid those things. If you can't reorganise your life, so it's about. It happens when I'm tired. It happens when I'm anxious. Well, you can't avoid tiredness and you can't avoid anx- anxiety. It's then about saying, okay, what can I put into my life for those moments yep. that is better?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Exercise or something pleasurable that we enjoy doing that we can go out. Uh, is that the time when I'll phone somebody and say, rather than do this, I'm phoning you up?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, whatever it is, but finding alternatives. That may yeah. take a little while. Finding alternative hobbies, finding alternative interests, finding things that you think, well, what if this becomes addiction? Yeah. Well, you, if you have enough of them, they can offset each other and they're not yeah. necessarily addictions.
2: Yeah.
1: And you're asking God, saying, Lord, I'm not putting this... Say say it is exercise. I'm not putting exercise as my God, but I do need to use exercise at times to stop thinking about the thing that I would otherwise do. Yeah. So I think those are are, are big steps. Um,
0: And they take a little bit of thinking through, don't they? And and they take us going for it and not doing it half measures thinking, oh, I'll dip my turn in the water and see how I get on. You might start off doing that, but there has to come a point when you say, like you said, you're ruthless. Yeah. If I want to overcome this, I need to make, with yeah. the help of others around me, with the help of God, yeah. some tough decisions. And I need to begin to work out, well, what are the triggers in my life? Because they'll be different for each ones of us, so it might be saying, God, would you help highlight those to me? Yeah. Would you help me to just see, OK, that is the time that I'm most likely yeah. or this is why or this is going on here. Yeah. And then it's a double pronged approach, isn't it? It's a how can I put something else in its place? But also, how can God help me if there are specific things that I need his help and his healing from that maybe I've not felt loved, maybe I don't know. It might be to do with our family relationships or something else. Who knows? Yeah, But it's saying to God, okay, I need your help to bring your healing and to meet me in that place. And none of this is short-term, is it? We're not saying, right, say these prayers and in a week's time you'll be over it. It's a journey.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really helpful what you're saying. is to recognize there's a two-pronged attack. One is to deal with... The thing, and the other is to deal with the cause. Uh, And so, in one sense, the addiction is a symptom of other unhappiness. So, as well as dealing with that symptom, you've got to try, maybe with help of others, is talk out and say, why do I feel this bad about myself? Why do I feel this anxious? Why do I feel this low? Why? And and what is that? Go back years. And where did it come from? And how do I bring God's light and yeah. healing into that? And, and we've looked at those kind of areas before in previous sessions, but I think it's really important. It's not just the addiction. It's the, the addiction is a symptom of something else. You're so just putting masking the two together. It,
0: you? Yeah, if you just think it is about me, changing my lifestyle and doing this, this and this, you'll get addicted to something else, Yes. or you'll go back to yes. it.
1: Unless we go to God, to heal the hole yes. that's there. Yes. I think the other thing, just to add, throw in is that far less often than we think, but still, nevertheless, is a reality, is that the body can chemically be addicted to nicotine, yep. to caffeine, to prescription drugs, to uh, illegal drugs. When that, uh, the, the, the the normally the. Uh, Uh, as I understand it the chemical addiction happens way after the emotional addiction Uh, the emotional addiction is the real addiction but sometimes nevertheless you can have a chemical addiction so one of the things I found interesting is apparently heroin is chemically quite unaddictive, alcohol caffeine and nicotine is far more addictive than heroin but because you take heroin because you're very low, emotionally it's very easy to get addicted to because Mm -hmm. that's why you take it but nevertheless, if there is a chemical addiction, so you're starting maybe headaches, cold sweat, shaking, it's really important to have expert medical help to withdraw. And there are substitute medications as a way of reducing the, uh, uh, drugs. And that's really important to do that. I wouldn't advise people to go cold turkey. So if you yeah. know you can feel a physical effect, Uh, then it's really important to to do that with a medical uh, intervention.
0: And there's help for giving up smoking as well. You've got Nicorette's and other brands and other things like that. Recognising that it is difficult, that it takes time. And sometimes it's bit by bit, little by little. Actually, we're still making progress and not to think, I've got to get from here to here in a day, but to look at the end game and think, okay, to get here, I've got to do this step and then this step Uh, and to set yourself little goals.
1: And I think I think that's important, and, and and different addictions are more or less that's appropriate. Part of it is to say how damaging is this to other people. Mm-hmm. If it is really damn, if it makes me violent, it has to stop straight yep. away. Yep, yep. If it is, uh, and if I cannot stop, I have uh, halfway through, then it's best to stop completely. So most. M- Say, so with alcoholism, yeah. it's normally you just stop completely because Absolutely. you can't stop after two drinks. Yes. Same with gambling. Yes. It's better to just stop completely yes. because you can't stop halfway through. But there are other addictions where it's really important not to try to stop straight away, but to take steps and move in that direction. Yeah. And those will be the addictions that are less damaging to other people. Um but are still damaging you. Yeah. And, and therefore it, 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 it might be that it's easier and better to take steps and move towards it slowly.
0: Yeah, it is just trying to recognize what is it that I'm addicted to and you're right, there are some things that just have to stop immediately and that you can't do in half measures. Mm. And it's, it, you'll know what those things are, I think. And then there are other things as you're right, you can take your smaller steps and work your way towards it it doesn't always help to go cold turkey with everything
1: Mm. um i think be gracious with yourself yes that god still loves you even though you have you can't deal stop it straight away
0: yes and if you relapse god still loves you
1: Mm. absolutely that's really important because i think that's where the you know we believe satan gets into the mind and says well you're useless it's called the condemner the accuser he's the one that Mm -hmm. says you, you you're rubbish and often, too, people have multiple addictions. Yep. And so there will be one addiction that you have to deal with straight away yep. that you stop straight away. Yep. And another one that you go, well, because I'm, I'm dealing with that one, I'm going to have to put up with that one. Yep. So the most common in my experience is people will, will say, I've got a lot of other things to deal with. I'll deal with the smoking later. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. And don't feel you have to become perfect overnight. Yeah. The smoking is less damaging to other people, it's damaging yeah. to you, and they yeah. worry about your health. But maybe you know, maybe the alcohol had to go first or the, yeah. you know, something that's really destructive. Damaging.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How, if um, you want to help somebody that is addicted, how do you go about that? You know, do you have to wait for them to say, I'm an addict? When is it appropriate to go and talk to somebody? How do you talk to somebody and how do you react to someone in that situation in the most helpful way?
1: I think that this is I think it's incredibly difficult and painful for people. Uh, I think colluding and pretending it isn't there does not help the person and it's ultimately not loving. We you can't change them until they want to change. Yeah. But they can't they won't want to change until it becomes uncomfortable for them not to change. And part of the uncomfortableness is to be exposed to the reality of what they are doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's very, very painful.
2: Yeah.
1: And so you know, I've we've been and walked alongside people who have I've said to family members, you need to leave the house. Even if, that, even if you become homeless, you need to leave.
2: Yeah.
1: Because this addiction and the violence that it's creating in the home is unacceptable. But also, you're never going to change until you, I, I am that ruthless. Yeah. Uh, cut off the money. Yeah. So you don't allow people to have money that they can spend. So, I think there. Uh, I think it's. It's very tempting to collude. It's very tempting to try and manage it. It's
0: the easier option, isn't it?
1: It is an easier option, and it's very painful to say you need to leave or. Because
0: you feel you're not loving, don't you? Yeah. You feel, oh, I need to love you. I need to help you. I can't. I can't be harsh to you. I can't mm, kick you out. Mm. But you don't recognize what actually colluding is no, doing,
1: no, and I've been around long enough to have seen that the harsh no more money uh and you're out of the house if you continue has had more positive effects
2: yeah
1: than, than not yeah uh you can't guarantee that that will change them yeah. But you can guarantee that colluding won't change them. You can guarantee that keeping supplying them with money, that keeping pretending it's not a problem, that keeping on saying, no, uh, it's okay, I forgive you for that level of violence, or whatever it is, colluding with it, it, it doesn't solve it.
0: So you've got to be straight down the line?
1: I think you've got to be honest. You've got to be honest, but you can't fix it until they want to fix it. So there's, that's where, again, where prayer is just being honest and prayerful.
0: So we're talking about more major and destructive addictions. What about the less major and destructive addictions? At what point do we speak into somebody else's life? If it's not being destructive to us in the same way, you know, a friend or a family member. Do we speak into their life and and just gently say, you know, do you think you spend too long on the internet, or food is the place that you go to? Pick? How how do you go about that, or do you wait for them to come to
1: you? I would tend to wait because it's very. We've talked before about judging, and yep. it's a very na- when you start getting into judging. I, I think if it's not harming you. Yeah. I would tend not to say something about it.
0: Yeah, it's just pray.
1: It's just pray. Yeah. If it's harming you, then be honest. If it isn't harming you, but you just worry about it, I think we've got to be careful about the judging aspect. I think the other thing that I want to say on both instances is that if we go back to the cause, very often people get into this because there is some element of feeling unloved and unworthy and insignificant. And therefore, one of the biggest Mm -hmm. things we can do is to try to at the one hand maintain boundaries and the other hand is to completely continue to completely love unconditionally
2: yeah
1: and and how you love someone and say you're gonna to have to leave the house is tricky but I've seen it done and, but it's and, loving, isn't and it? it is loving and yeah. you are saying look I really really care mm-hmm. for you and I'm going to keep yeah. on being here for you and you and, but I cannot accept this yeah. behavior because I love you yes um, and just constantly telling people that we love them and we care for them and when it's a friend and it's not damaging us it's not walking away because they can't yeah. they don't change it's it's maintaining f- faithful friendship and faithful care and yeah. loving people into loving themselves yeah Because that's really often the issue, is how they love themselves. And they need that model that God loves them through your love and care.
0: And not to be shocked and not to react in a way that's unhelpful. So when somebody says to you, I am struggling with this, don't look in horror. Don't Mm. go, oh, my life, oh, that's awful. Mm. It's okay, let's talk about it
1: and not be judgmental because there, but by the grace oh, of God, yeah. go all of us. Yeah. And I think this is the thing is to say if I was in that situation, yeah. if I had that opportunity, if I'd already started down that road, yeah. I would be like that. Yeah. So yeah. we're all we're all frail. Yep.
0: Yeah. And we're not to try and fix other people because mm. we can't. Mm. But we need to help them to seek God and the appropriate help. Yeah. And in conjunction with our encouragement, with our cheerleaders, we're yeah pray with them and for them yeah. in conjunction with all of that then the prayer is that that yeah. they have the courage yeah. and the strength to face it and yeah. in the power of god god begins to yeah. work in them.
1: Encouraging people to go to the various anonymous groups or other 12-step programs you know people will maybe feel there's a stigma maybe feel they can't do it maybe don't know how to get in for, you know but actually have really promoting and encouraging and praising someone who's had the courage to go and, and join in with those kind of things.
0: I was in the Sutton Park the other week and I bumped into someone who himself has been through the 12-step program. He's been an alcoholic, was in a terrible, terrible state, found God in the midst of the bottom of a bottle in a sense. He he, he just got to the end of himself and couldn't cope. and actually God's been on a real journey with him and he he found his hope and his purpose in God and he was walking with uh, another guy and uh, this guy was, uh, he was kind of like his sponsor. So he was checking in on him. They walk regularly in the park Um, and you just think there are some great people and great organizations out there that do a wonderful work, like AAs, you know, the AA, there is a, a stigma that some people think, but they do in, incredible stuff. And it doesn't matter that everybody there isn't a Christian. It mm. doesn't matter that it's not an overtly Christian organization, because God uses uh, things like that. So it shouldn't just be that we're looking for the Christian solution. Mm. It's what is the best fit for this person? What is yeah. out there? We may not know what's out there. We might mm. have to do a little bit of research, a bit of Googling mm. what's around, what's worked for other people that we can suggest. But again, it's up to that person to accept mm. it. But there's lots of good stuff out there, lots Very of good people that mm. are far more clued up today than I think they've ever been mm. in, in all of these areas of, of addiction.
1: Mm. And there are lots of stories in our church, lots of people I know who have been set free from addictions. It's, it's something we've seen a lot of.
0: And when we talk about being set free from addictions, with some of them, there still comes a point, even when you leave that behind, where you still don't put yourself back in a place of temptation absolutely so like with me and gambling for an example i wouldn't go into a bookies i wouldn't go on a fruit machine i wouldn't do lots of things because i know oh we're going down that path mm. where, where oh i've got the feeling back again all oh, right well let's you know i might win mm. all of that that's unhelpful mm. i wouldn't put myself in that situation and i know a recovering alcoholic probably wouldn't go to a pub wouldn't put themselves in lots of different situations. So God's healing and God's setting us free. We still have to work with him mm. and recognize that still might be an area Absolutely. of Absolutely, that's really
1: important to not think we're immune to temptation and we've conquered it. We won't ever conquer the temptation in the sense that the desire will go away. It's that we've learned mm. to not do it, yeah. but to put yourself in that place is really unhelpful.
0: Yeah, and that's why you need people around you that will yeah. point it out or will encourage you or that you can talk to. Because there will be odd moments when you think, oh, do you know, i just like to go and do that. Uh, and that's when you text somebody, just pray for me, mm. uh, I'm, I'm struggling. And then you've got a strategy in your mind, what am I gonna do in that moment when that comes over me? Am I gonna go and see somebody else? Am I gonna do something? It's about strategizing some of these things, thinking through, okay, this, I will still be tempted, Tempta- Jesus was tempted. And to be tempted, let's just clear this up when we're talking about temptation, doesn't mean that we've done anything wrong because mm. Jesus was tempted. Just talk about that for a moment for us.
1: Yeah, so we, the New Testament tells us about Jesus being tempted, that, that, that Satan plants the thought, and our human nature has a thought with, with mm. natural urges and desires that puts this thought in our mind. That's part of humanity. It's not yeah. something to feel rubbish about or condemned over. Whatever that natural desire is, it's then we what we do with it. Yeah. Um, so about
0: two seconds, three seconds. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> you, you know, um, you may say something that upsets me. Yeah. Uh, the initial temptation to snap back at you or hit you is. <laughs> That's regular, isn't it? It's regular. But I've learned over time to resist it and to smile and not say anything or do anything. I'm not sinful to be annoyed by what you might say.
0: You're normal to be annoyed by what I might say.
1: So, yeah, I think that's important. Can I just change the subject slightly? Yeah, go for it. I think one of the other things, we're talking about helping people. One of the other things that may be a little bit of a hobby horse for me, but you take it or leave it, is that one of the reasons I don't drink alcohol is that on the rare occasions I'm in a pub or at an occasion, and there is somebody who's an alcoholic who wants to ask for an orange juice. They don't look stupid because I've already done it. Yeah. And I think just being aware of situations where, like that, you can make it easy for somebody. Yeah. Um, so uh, i try trying to think of other examples where perhaps you, you know, maybe, uh, for a, a fun time you are all going to bet on the grand national but actually if you think carefully and think actually there's some people i don't know if that's going to stop there so i'll say i don't gamble yeah um just so that nobody else feels embarrassed so though those of us that don't have addiction just to be aware of how other people um so giving them permission to say no and not being yeah. the
0: first person and the stigmatised person, yes. you take that on yourself? Yes,
1: absolutely. That's yeah. really helpful.
0: Yeah. I know someone who uh, doesn't drink alcohol, uh, so they're always the designated driver, um, so that everybody says, you're having a drink now, I'm driving. Mm. It's, you know, for him, that's his get out, that's his... Mm. Uh, nobody then bats an eyelid, oh, you're driving, great, thanks. We don't expect you to drink, brilliant. Mm. Mm. It's it's finding those little things for ourselves and for other people that give them permission not to give in to that temptation. It's being aware of who's around us and what's going on. And in a sense, when we wake up each day praying, God, use me uh, and hoping the Holy Spirit just prompts us in those moments that we can be a help and a blessing to those around us. Just giving them a way out of Mm. of that temptation.
1: And I sometimes think it's funny that people think, oh, he doesn't drink because he must have had a drink problem and he's some, got some sort of heroic testimony about how God has set him free from alcohol. Because I will say, I, I don't drink. Yeah. I, 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 but, but that's not true at all. I've <laughs> never had a problem with alcohol.
0: <laughs> I just don't drink. People have this image of you. Yes. That you've had this really dodgy past. Yeah. yeah, but I do
1: that because I want other people to feel it's okay to say the same after yeah. me.
0: It's normal. Mm. It's a normal thing to say. Mm. Interestingly, with the whole alcohol thing, people have drunk far more in, in lockdown um, because they're bored and because I think many people are just depressed and fed up and, mm. and not enjoying life. And mm. one of the easiest things to do, I pour a drink, mm. talked to someone yesterday and they said they used to average maybe two drinks uh, a week. And they're now averaging at least, if not more, one or two a night just mm. because of COVID, just because I can't cope, I'll have a drink, mm. helps mm. me to sleep. All of these things. Mm. Um, And life is difficult at times. Mm. We have to recognize that life can be a struggle. We can be hurt by people around us. We can have these uh, not feel loved, feel lonely, not feel valued. And it is a challenge to go to God and to react in the right ways. And sometimes we've never been taught about God. And sometimes we've never been educated growing up as to what is the best way to live our lives. And we Mm. sometimes just slip into these addictions Mm. and these habits, not knowing any better, but getting ourselves in a pickle, Mm. in a complete mess. Mm. But the great news, as you said, is that God loves us, that God welcomes us as we are. He takes us and he dusts us down and he says, "Okay, we're going to start and we'll go on a journey and a process. And God is a God who redeems and Next week in our live streams, we've got Lucy and Richard who are coming in and we're talking about how God takes broken and battered people with things that have gone wrong in life at their lowest ebb, how God takes them and loves them and says, "Okay, let's just dust you down. Let's just start again. I'm going to make something new of your life. This doesn't define you. This isn't the end, but this is a new start. Uh, And So they're going to come and I'm going to chat with them and we're going to hear some of their stories. And and just this wonderful God, the God we often talk about, the God who redeems, who Mm. takes the broken and the battered and makes it new and helps us to start again. That's Mm. the wonderful news. So if Mm. there are people that are struggling with this whole area of addiction, what would be the final thing that you would say to them right now?
1: Well, just echoing what you're saying, that God absolutely loves. He wants us to set us free, but we have to admit it. Yeah, And we have to ask him for his help. Yeah, And I think one of the, the, the tiny things that may or may not be helpful is that sometimes we self-harm, self-destruction, we feel we're so rubbish that it's okay to harm ourselves. And it's almost as if we feel somebody needs to be harmed for the things we are and do.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's where I think focusing on Jesus on the cross, yep. that he takes that pain that we want to yep. inflict on ourselves. Yeah and that he has demonstrated how precious and loved we are. Yeah. And I don't need to punish myself because yeah. Jesus has says, look, I'll take the punishment. Yeah. Stop hurting yourself yeah. because I love you. And so just focusing on Jesus mm-hmm. and being able to say, I have a problem, I need help, I've messed up, God come in and help me and others will you help me? So
0: Brilliant. Thank you ever so much for uh, sharing with us. Uh, Thank you as well for joining with us. Hope that you found that helpful.